Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah, just some regular reborn, reformed cats. If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that. Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night Immersed in sin, but then the, the light emerged <laughs> It was the Son of God Divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life And hindsight, and was revealed Through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah. I'm listening Hey, what's up? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. And I'm Lee. And today we are missing Sean, unfortunately, um, due to unknown reasons. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back soon. Ephesians 1. So yeah, still we're going to be Ephesians going over. Still over in Ephesians 1. Um, I think we're going to be going through uh, verses 18 through 23. Um but before we begin, so how was your how was your week? It was great. Um, it was really great. Got a lot of work done. Uh, I'm writing the. I can't remember if I talked about this or not. I'm writing the quiz questions for our uh, Bible quizzing league this year. So oh, that's right. all all the areas. So it's like kind of a tri-state thing. Well, it's really no. mainly Ohio and in Pennsylvania, but um, so like there's uh. Um, we had, ugh, I think, like 80 teams at the Invitational Tournament last year. So I'm writing the the set of questions that all areas will use uh, this coming year. Oh, wow. So I've been doing a lot of that lately. Or now, I, need, I need to do more, but uh, I'm, I'm doing what I can. Now, what, what are you guys going over this year? We are going over uh, the last few chapters of Genesis and then the book of Esther. Which, Ooh, in in my yeah. experience, we've never quizzed on, and I'm super excited about it. Huh. Well, that's pretty cool. Because I've been involved in Bible quizzing since 20—I'm sorry, since since 2003, and that is a book that I never quizzed on while I was a quizzer. Wow. So I think they—it's been a long time coming, and it's, uh, it's definitely going to be good. It's worthwhile. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's been a fun project, but it's taken a lot of time. Right, right now, on. I've got uh, f- uh, almost sixteen hundred questions right now, and I need—I really, I need a lot more. Really, should really be over two thousand. No kidding. Should be, yeah. Wow. Yep. Now, do so you like submit these to uh, like an app for them to like get on and practice, or do they nope, get questions? No. Nope. What, what What we do is there's uh, designated teams in every area. So, like, I'm on the staff for our area here, and when I'm done with the questions, um, I will give them to our area coordinator, and she will disperse them to the other area coordinators, who will then give the sets of questions to um, the uh, the staff. And so, <clears throat> ordinarily, on a given year, uh, me and my buddy Joel King, who we were 
uh, I've been on, I've been involved in quizzing with him since I started, um, from the very beginning, started from the bottom, now we're here, and uh, he and I would, <laughs> he and I were the people in our area that would pick the questions and organize them into weekly sets, because we quiz weekly, we quiz every Sunday um, when the season's in, and so we are the ones that arrange those, so um, ordinarily we would get the uh, the master set um, sometime in late December, and then we would frantically start putting sets together for the first week or week or two, um, getting them all arranged and formatted properly and stuff. So I need to I need to finish the questions, proofread them, and then get them in. Hopefully, I mean I'd like to get them in by the end of this month or beginning of December, but we'll we'll see how far I get. Now, an example of a question. What would what would an example of a question be? Uh, an example of a question, uh, let me grab my quiz book real quick. So we have specific quiz books that are printed up every year that have the material in them so that, you know, people aren't using their own Bible that may have an, an either a different version or an outdated version. Um, okay, so, so we're using ESV, and we have been for the last few years. Let's see. So I'm in Esther 6 right now. So verse 2... And it was found written how Mordecai had told about Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So I can get a lot of questions out of that one verse. So basically, we're going to take out a part of speech and make it into a what or a whom, and then the answer will be figuring out what that is. So Mordecai had told about whom, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold. And the answer would be Big Thana and Teresh. But the thing, the thing is, you know, since we're removing parts of speech like that, it's the goal is not to actually read out the entire question. You only get through the first few words before a good quizzer will buzz in, and they'll not only be able to figure out what the question itself is, but then also know the answer within 30 seconds. So it's like hardcore like this isn't like quiz bowl that you see on public television on saturday morning oh okay well, that's this is cool. this is hardcore yeah hard yeah. so like you this it's, is like it's, call of duty <laughs> yeah exactly um it's really disheartening Finish this happened a few years ago when when you're if you're in a in a match and you end up having to read out completely two questions in the match oh okay you're having a bad match if that happens hmm. well, so it's pretty, pretty cool pretty cool by the time invitationals come you you maybe get the first three words of the question out before somebody's ringing in and trying to get the answer just blurting out stuff it's super cool it's so much fun my gosh dude so much fun that's pretty cool yeah so so that'll be that'll be pretty much most of the winner for me every sunday neat neat Oh hey, what what Bible are you using tonight? By the uh, way, the Nasby. No, I mean what what edition? Like, uh, what's the binding? The unicorn. The <laughs> I can't believe you're actually using it. It is the SCR. Man. Yeah, she is gorgeous. I got two of them. Are you keeping one in the box? Or are you letting the other one out too? Uh, well, I have the other one. It's brown. With gold ribbons, you know, and it just looks mint. But my black one, 
I've been it's been my daily beater. And you're highlighting in it, aren't you? Yeah. Dang. It's not going anywhere. You're a boss. <laughs> yeah. This one's this one's the one. The one. The one. I love I just I don't know. When I'm reading to the girls at night, it's so much easier for me to just read a verse, stop, explain it. Um, they ask questions and I mean, it's just so much easier and I, I just know where I'm at and I don't know. It's not double column. It's single column. Being able to see your verses is really huge. Yes. Yes. And the, the ver, the words are so much larger. I mean, I'm going blind. So I mean, (laughs) that's what it is. Well, that's, that's what I love about the preacher's Bible too, because even though it's ginormous, but that text just leaps off the page. It reminds me of like the best of uh, Schuyler printing, but in single column with this gigantic white page. I would love, I would love a Schuyler Bible if they did single column and if it's they coming. did full yap. Well, you know, that, it'd be game over. So the Traveris is coming. I think they're starting it with King James. But um, but there have been some photos online that look like the, they have a much larger yap than they used to. Now, maybe it was kind of a quirk of the photo or not, but it did look like a pretty big yap. Which would be really nice. I think that would really set their Bibles apart completely. They'd truly compete with Allen at that point, because that's oh, Allen's big thing. Oh, by far. And that, that's the only... Allen has nothing fancy. Nothing... Mm-mm. Spectacular about the ribs on the binding. Nothing spectacular about. Yeah, they're not. They're not the, flashy looking Bibles. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They just look like genuine leather Bibles, and and I mean, they got this beautiful yap, this beautiful art gilt on them. They're hand bound, line matching. Uh, I mean, they're just very little ghosting. So you get some with 36 GM GSM paper, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, any higher, and then you're in, like, textbook paper, but <laughs> kind of like the, the preacher's Bible. Yeah. Where you well, can you know, even use a permanent marker, and it won't bleed through. I've started writing in this with the Pigma Microns that everybody told me I needed to buy, so I bought some. Dude, the Pigma Microns are Those are great pens. Oh, those are the only pens I use. I've had to relearn what good pens are because I've used crappy pens for so long and then have used good pencils for so long that I've kind of missed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I love sharpening a pencil. Nope. I'm a... I'm a clicker. (laughs) I'm getting there. Click. And I can't can't believe it. I can't believe I'm even saying it, but I really am. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just like a pen so much. I think it flows so much nicer. And it's because you're not using the right pencil. That's all I'm going to say about that. I only <laughs> use pencils if I'm drawing a picture. <laughs> and that uh, that Blackwing I gave you does do pretty well with that, I think. Yeah, I have actually a couple pencils that I've really liked and I've kind of dove into. Um which I've kind of grown accustomed to pencil here lately, but I'm not I'm not convinced without my pen. So <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. 
Pens are necessary. Pencils are a luxury, I think. Yeah. Because there's so many things that require a pen, but um, but I I think a pencil is a much more pleasant writing experience than than using yeah. most pens. I mean, if you're ever stranded out in the wilderness, I mean, you got wood right there with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, pencil stubs make fire. really good fire starters. Yeah. You know? So. You got a point. <laughs> you got a point there. <laughs> it could save your life one day. <laughs> could. It could be a weapon if you get the right sharpener. Dude, I've seen the points you put on your pencils. Yeah, man. And they're ridiculous. They are ridiculous. You could dissect a mouse with one of those points. <laughs> Only the best. Let's dive into verse 18. Um, and it's going to start off, and it's. I'll go ahead and read if you want. Do it. And go for it. Paul starts off by saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He will put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as a head over all things in the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And this ends the reading. Glow Ray. Glow Ray. So, so we have we have Paul starting off here. Um, he gets into a little bit of eschatology at the very end. Oh, yeah. Um, which some post-mill stuff. Deep. Yeah. Um, which is some great stuff to get into. So... He, he starts off by saying, I pray that the eyes and of your hearts may be enlightened um, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. Um, so, so, Lee, what is he talking about right here? What, what is he diving into in his letter to the Ephesus? What, what's he talking about right here? Well, number one, he's realized, or he's he's telling his audience that number one, they can't enlighten their own eyes. So, God has to open our eyes to see spiritual things, because you know, under under sin, we're not we're not noticing you know what God does spiritually because we hate God uh, by default. So, one, he's he's uh, praying that they're eyes would be more and more open to God's work and to uh, the, the work of the Spirit. But two, he's, he's wanting their eyes to be enlightened so they can realize the hope of their calling in Christ, because that's uh, so foundational to the life of a Christian. You know, we are people that have hope. We're the only people that have hope, because we have um, the work of the risen Christ um, credited to us, He's given us his righteousness. We're forgiven of our sins, and we're able to go now and tell 
tell the story of the hope that we've been given. So, but we have to have our spiritual eyes open in order to even appreciate the work of God in sanctifying us and saving us. Uh, and then, um, and then they have to appreciate the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So, right. not only are they appreciating His work, but appreciating His gifts. And these are all things that are spiritually discerned. Right on. So, so basically, you mentioned three main um, key components that were um, where Paul offers in his prayer. Um, he he offers that the believers would know the hope of their calling, right? And then secondly, um, the wealth of their inheritance. And thirdly, the mighty power of God, which raised Jesus from the dead. Um, Paul offers this prayer not for individual believers as though they can fully attain this on their own, like you said, um, but imagines this prayer being fulfilled and accomplished in the community, um, of, of Ephesus right there, um, with believers. Um, these are not just his private goals, in other words, but his community goals for Ephesus, the believers there in Ephesus, which, um, must happen within the church. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the community aspect there because as uh, contemporary Americans, we are, for whatever reason, there's lots of reasons for it, but we're more prone to see most everything in an individualistic frame. But from the very beginning, Paul's goal was, of course, to see sinners uh, reconciled to a holy God, but also to plant and raise and uh, nurture churches. So he would plant churches everywhere he went. So there is not only the goal of individual salvation and sanctification, but also the building up and the health and growth of of churches, of communities of, of faith, of the family of God gathered in a particular geographic region. And right. that was so important to him. You know, that's why he, we talk about an inheritance in the saints. So it's not just, you know, one son inheriting. We're all, everyone who, who has believed in Christ, we're all inheritors of, of God's grace. And that gives us commonality with each other, and we're supposed to, I mean, we're commanded, it's a positive command to love each other as Christ loved the church. Yep. Boom. I like that. So as we move on, we're, I think we pretty much covered those three elements. Um, it goes into verse 19 where he says, And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of his strength, of his might, um, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the, in the heavenly places, far above you know, all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. What is going on right here? You know, I think that reminds me, you know, I, I think it was a Pope Francis quote where he was talking about Jesus having lost at the cross. I think it was him. I know somebody said it, and it was somebody within Catholicism or whatever. And yes, this it verse was Pope a, Francis. It was just was it recently. Francis? Yeah, it was just recently said that Jesus failed. Yeah, he. Yeah, that's right. He failed at the cross. He was a loser. Well, Tell he, me no, where. I, you were right. <laughs> 
Yeah, because Paul definitely didn't think that, and I can guarantee right. you Peter didn't think that. Um, and and we're seeing it right here that no, actual the cross, not only the cross, but the cross and the resurrection are one of the clearest demonstrations of God's power and God's work to secure, save, and sanctify a people by his own name, to, to be called by his name. And and so he did all these things, and once again, it's another truth that must be spiritually discerned, which is why, and I'll go out on a limb, unconverted people like Pope Francis would see Jesus as a loser, because that, what happened to him, is the kind of thing that the natural man would say is something that happens to losers or criminals or people that are wrong. Um, but no, it's actually the power of God, and we see it. Um, I, lo- I, I like the phrasing of it here. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So he has, God has a strong might. We know that. We see it all through, um, all through the Bible. But right. it's not just, we, it's not just something we know. Yes, God's mighty. God demonstrates his might. He works it out and he's worked it out in our own human time in, in proven himself. Not that he had to. Because God would be mighty whether or not he showed us his might or not. But in Christ, in sending him, and in his life, in his death and resurrection, God powerfully worked out his might, and we witnessed it, and we believe. And I think that that working out of the strength of his might is, is a, a really important phrase. God's right. not just sitting back and watching. He's working. Boom. Sorry, I hit my soapbox moment there. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. Because that's that's a thing that's kind of a one of the many pet peeves of mine is when people, you know, talk about when something terrible happens. So, what's God doing? Where's God working? Well, I mean, it's even in the Psalms, you know, where where David says, you know, basically, God, why do you have your hands in your pockets when there's when we, we've got stuff that needs done? You know, and, and that's that's a common, you know, human impulse. You know, we want to scream at the sky, God, where were you when such and such and such happened? Well, God has always been present and always been working, but sometimes we're too blockheaded or sinful to notice what his hand is doing. Right. And, and once I again, think... it all goes back to the eyes, the eyes of the, of the Spirit being enlightened. So where Paul starts here on verses 20 through 21... Um, I, I think I can think of a reference back in Psalms. I think it's 110 verse 1. Um, let me get to it real quick. I'm trying to find it. So in 110 verse 1, um, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And Paul is reiterating this, that everything has been in place has been placed in subjection under Christ's feet by being placed at the right hand of God. No the, the one, name, he's the name above all every name. Yeah, he's the name above all names. He is in control. He is seated on the throne as of now, today, tomorrow, and for the rest of time. He is going to be king forever and And that that is amazing when you think about it you know before there was ever a king ahasuerus 
in um, it, from the book of Esther, before there was ever a Julius Caesar, uh, before there was ever a President Donald Trump, Jesus was the king of all creation, the name that's above every name that is named in all time, in, in all ages as we count time, past, right. present, present. What, what people there are to come. Yeah, He's, he is supreme over all of them. Right. We're in a post-millennial age, people. <laughs> I I have come to find the the concept of the kingship of Christ really comforting, and I really only came to appreciate that as I got more interested in uh, Reformed theology, because that high view of God's sovereignty and of his of his benevolence toward his people and his his ability. Um, his perfection, his ability to hold all things together by his word, um, is so is so breathtaking and awe inspiring that um, it's it's hard to not appreciate that doctrine, and it, it's infuriating when people try to deny uh, such a doctrine. Yeah, or they try to diminish the doctrine, you know, or <clears throat> put their own little spin on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah I, putting, I, I, a lot of people put a spin on it that ends up having them exalt themselves because right, Jesus likes them. it becomes them. more man-centered than Christ-centered. And, oh, man, it just drives me nuts. But, you know, I sat there, I grin, I bear it. Because it's think, missing the whole point, you how know. Can I, how can I correct your theology without sounding like I am Bible-beating you, you know? <laughs> You know, it is hard. You don't get offended by me telling you, "Hey, why don't we look at Scripture? Let's let's let Scripture speak for Scripture." And even though even though when you do that to some people, they they look at you and go, "Well, that's your interpretation," and you're mm-hmm. like, "Look, um, look, person, look, person, person. I just look human. I love you. I love you because Christ loves you, but you're driving me nuts." <laughs> 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 well, so. there's a good quote from R.C. Sproul, and I'm probably not putting it right, but basically all problems of theology come down to problems with a person's conception of the doctrine of God. Because if you don't have a good theology proper, if you don't know who God is and his attributes and his ways as revealed in Scripture, then you're not going to be able to extrapolate out of there into a solid view of salvation, of sanctification, of providence— of really, I mean, even down to the ordinances of the church. You know, if we downplay Christ, you know, as the God-man, or uh, when it comes to penal substitutionary atonement, then we've we've jacked up the Lord's Supper, for instance, right? Or or even baptism. You know, but but all of that, if we do have a mistake there, you can tie it all the way back to a wrong view of God in theology proper. That's why it's, exactly. theology really does matter. I know people think it's just, you know, esoteric blabbering or some some little niche bit of information that you can debate about online with people, but it really is that important. Because if we don't know who God is, then we're not going to worship God the way that he intends for his people to worship. Exactly. And we're, and and we're not we're not going to get we're going to not going to experience the fullness of communion with God because we'll only have a partial picture hopefully partial and not completely incorrect picture of who he is and and what he's all about. 
Right. And and we tend to make <coughs> make up our own image of who God should be to us, you know. We make this false god. Like, oh, Jesus should be A all convenient loving. god. You know, yes, convenient god. That's exactly what it is. Um he's my friend. He's uh he's there when I need him, you know. He he it, takes the wheel when I'm <laughs> You know, I mean, it's, it's craziness. It's just, and, and just the other day. So, so anyways, so just the other day on Facebook, I decide since California is now trying to pass pedophilia as being one's right to, um, further sexual, um, choice expression or preference, yeah. you know, um, yeah. So California is trying to pass this that pedophilia is okay. Mm. So I posted a like a meme saying, "Well, you know, it kind of gives like a philosophy type type scenario." Um, we where, know how much you love philosophy. Yes, and I don't care for <laughs> philosophy, but uh, so and it's it goes back to like the Trojan War, and it shows how. Children are the wall. Society is allowing the Trojan horse to come in. Mm-hmm. And it's um, encased in the LGBTQ community kind of. Yeah, it's dressed up all pretty. Yes, something that a lot of people that, like. Where we want to accept you. We want to we want to be tolerant. We want to, um, you know, it, it's just nonsense. So anyways, then pedophilia is in the center of the horse and is going to break through the gates without any knowledge of or surprise. And I mean, it's just gonna it's gonna ruin America, and that's what's gonna happen. Um, we have totally distanced ourselves from Christ, from the church, from um, what our founding fathers stood mm-hmm. for. Um, but and I think that's that's where we're getting off. Base. Well, for for so long, the churches has failed its task of proclaiming the gospel because a lot of churches don't even proclaim the gospel to each other. Right. But I don't want to place all the blame on the church either, because I mean, we do know that across the world, um, there are there are more increases of of people openly saying that they are post religious or or completely irreligious, never have practiced a religion and hate religion, think that it's unimportant or backward or whatever. And, you know, some people will say that, you know, God has removed his hand of restraint from from our world because, you know, it used to be a not dangerous thing, but an unpopular thing to say that you were an agnostic or an atheist or something like that. And now it's, it's reversed and it's a badge of honor to say that you're a, a skeptic or a, an unbeliever. But if you are a believer, then you're you're a bigot or a rube or some some combination of terrible things. Um, and now you know we you could debate about whether that's you know God removing His hand of restraint or God simply allowing um, allowing people to uh, um, well it would be the same thing allowing people to to go with their their fancies and uh, run yeah, amok. I mean, it's, it's Romans one. Yeah. He's turning them over to a debased mind. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's that's what's happening. You know, in, in some ways, and maybe I'm just weird, but I kind of find it refreshing because 
there's there was nothing more destructive to Christianity in the developed world than in the 20th century when it became a country club kind of thing where everybody went to church on Sunday you know whether they confessed Christ or not whether they lived in obedience to the word of God and and had a had a devoted relationship with God but they went to church and they you know made friends and the, you know people they could sell insurance to or you know, buy buy a car from, or you know, or whatever. It was a business transaction more than it was um, worship. And now that the the social acceptance for being a member of a church has decreased pretty significantly over the years, the people that would you know opportunistically enter the church and participate without any faith in Christ are not there anymore. So people talk about churches shrinking and closing. That's not a bad thing, because the true church will not go away, you know, um, especially according to our theology, God God always preserves his people, and his right. people have been a very, very small group at times in the past, and so when times of trouble come, the true church remains, and the, the hangers-on, the fakers, are the ones that drop off. Right. So when you see churches closing, in, in a weird way that's going to sound terrible that I say it, I rejoice because I think it's more of the church being um, refined in the fire and in the dross being removed and purified. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. It's exactly like John six, where uh, they they felt that what Jesus was talking about was too difficult, and they just mm-hmm. they fell away. They packed it up. So and packed up. Yep. So let's move on, and we'll jump in. So. Now everything has been, um, he's been raised from the dead. Um, he is sitting at the right hand of God. Um, he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named and to this age to come. And, and in verse 22, it says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church explain well as opposed to a regular earthly king instead of saying well let me make sure i do this right instead of saying he gave him head over all things when it came to the kingdoms of mankind or to the to the balance of power between uh the rich and the poor or whatever whatever measurements that we use for earthly rulers jesus is head over all things in the church, the church is his crowning um, achievement, his his bride, his love and joy, and you know that high view of the importance of the church in the eyes of Christ is a really important thing for us to remember. And and I think overall in our history, the church has has always remembered that that they are the bride of Christ, that they are beloved and important, and that what what we do together is important, not just on the Lord's Day, but all through the week, the various ministries that every individual Christian is part of, and the uh, fellowship that we get from gathering together in worship and participating in the ordinary means of grace, these are super important, so much so that Christ himself is the head of the church. Yes, he's, he's supreme over everything else, but his main objective, his priority now is the health and uh, well-being of his bride until he returns. Right on, right on. 
And that pretty much um, drives us right into verses 23, um, where it says, Which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Wait, I he thought the is... bread at communion was Jesus' body. I thought oh that my was goodness. his body. <laughs> Which is it? Is it a group of people having existed in worship from the from the beginning of, of time? Or, That's it. <laughs> or this is ends it the podcast. A... <laughs> we're out of here. Goodbye. This is Guys of Bibles. We're out. See you later. <laughs> no, bread is bread. Bread has always been bread. I can't take the body this. of the body. <laughs> the body of I'm, Christ is I'm the all church. Stressed out. <laughs> Look here, Pope Francis. I ain't got time for this. Yeah, we're not praying to bread anymore. We're not bowing before bread. The church is the bride of Christ. Christ is our head. Um, he is our he is our husband. You know, we look to him. He guides us, and he loves us, and, and cares for us. And we will be reunited face to face one day with him. Um, all the entire church, from the beginning all the way to the to the end, um, we will be united to him. And um, you know, going back to the bread part, you know, he he does um, he does feed and nurture the faith of his people as we go along. You know, that's why we worship on the Lord's Day. That's why even when we're not together, we read the scriptures and study and pray and witness and work and and do all these things that we're commanded to do because we are his body. Those are the things that he has instructed us to do, not only for our good, but for his glory too. So his body, when his body is is nourished and made healthy, he is happy. God is a God of joy. And God's people are a people of joy and of hope um, because he feeds us with that joy. Amen. Praise God. Definitely. Glory. So, I'm going to run the eyes. Glory. So <laughs> next week we will be diving into Ephesians 2. Um, we have finally made it to Ephesians 2. I can't I think, wait. Uh, this is going to be a good eps- good couple episodes through Ephesians 2. Um, so if if you're excited, stay tuned. Listen up. Um, and send us some comments, some feedback, and let us know what we can do better and what you would um, like to hear about. Um, just just talk to us. Um, Lee, where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, on the Guys with Bibles Facebook page. You'll search us, and you'll find some awesome art done by uh, Stephen Melnison, the bald Calvinist, so that will be unmistakable. Go there, jump in there. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at the Twitter at the at the handle at Guys with Bibles on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you should come on over to the website guyswithbibles.com. That's where you can stream audio of the podcast, or um, you can subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, we're on all the major podcasting platforms. Um, you can also read our blogs at the website too. Uh, Sean would kick me if I didn't mention the blogs. Um, we love the blogs, and I hope everybody's enjoying the audio blogs that we post uh, during the week too. Um, we work hard on those too, and um, I hope some people find them helpful to listen to. Uh, they're pretty short, which is good. That's always good. Um, and then you can email us directly at, at uh, guyswbibles at gmail.com, and I can confirm that that email goes directly to the three of our uh, personal uh, telephone devices. 
Yep. So we read we those emails. We really do read and those emails. In fact, I think we've responded to every email but maybe one or two that we've received that weren't spam or something. Right. Um, you won but $10 yeah. million. Dollars. Just come collect <laughs> your inheritance from your long-lost uncle or some sort. I don't know. what. what you know, honestly, but, though, if it was possible for maybe, say, Kelly Reimer to email us spam, tins of spam, I wouldn't turn that down. I'd be impressed. <laughs> yeah. If Kelly's listening, I don't, I don't know if he listens or not. but Dude, um, Kelly cracks me up. That guy's a riot. Oh, my goodness. His cat. His cat should have its own, like, Facebook page. <laughs> I'm telling you. Or or somebody needs to make a specific uh, Instagram page of nothing but photos of him holding food over premium Bibles, oh, which gi- which gives me an anxiety attack every time I see one. Oh yeah, for sure. But for you sure. know, you know those Canadians living on the edge. Yep. They're crazy. How they do? They're crazy. I think but, he's Canadian, right? Yeah, he's from Canada. He's a truck yeah, driver. Okay. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yep. But anyway, another so- another member of the precious bride of Christ. That's right. That's right. Good guy. Really good. We're all over the place. But we will look forward to having you listen next time. And we'll be right here. We're guys with Bibles. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye.